I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Mama, 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 interesting, cool, South African, relevant yeah. content yeah. Um, on where we were at. Mm-hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Jesus. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Perfect. You're in another zone, but you're totally out of the twilight. Mama, 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 mama. Welcome back to our seventh episode. We're super excited of MWA. And today, in um, not quite in studio, but we have a really, really great guest, um, somebody who I'm quite excited um, said yes to coming on, Genevieve Putter. Most people would know her from her Instagram account called The New Normal. And essentially, Genevieve is in her own kind of journey, on your own journey of motherhood. In doing that, has also started this incredibly valuable um, platform called The New Normal with, that has really frank conversations around motherhood, what that looks like, um, and offers kind of a support base to women who are going through motherhood and who are experiencing a multitude of various different things um, on, on a continuum and spectrum. But more um, more looking at Genevieve yourse- yourself, Genevieve is currently studying to become a postpartum doula and has done the local training through wounds yeah. um, and is now doing an international training. I think you'll speak more about Genevieve. So thank you so much for coming on um, MWA and we're really Thank looking you. forward to this this conversation. Yeah, thanks for your time. <laughs> okay, so nice. to start off with a question, Genevieve, if you can just speak a little bit about your own transition to motherhood, like what, what has it been like for you? So um, I became, I was born a mother um, three and a half years ago when in 2016 um, my to my beautiful boy Benson and I will be obviously completely honest as I am and as you know me it was not not an easy transition for me at mm-hmm. all was probably one of the most difficult times of my life. I had a really healthy pregnancy. I experienced, you know, some kind of background or circumstantial pressure and stress, but you know, for the most part, he was healthy, I was healthy, and it was it was cool. We also had a we had our birth didn't go according to plan. I was gunning for natural, I had a doula and I was just, you know, quite what's the word? I I put so much um, energy and focus into this birth plan, you know, how things were gonna go. And we ended up in an emergency C-section. It wasn't emergency in like a life or death situation, but it was just, you know, things could have gone quite south if we hadn't have, you know, been, if there wasn't an intervention. Having said that, though, the actual experience of the birth was quite beautiful. We um, we were allowed to play our own music. Mm-hmm. Um, the team that were in theatre were really, really cool. And, like, you know, they were just so respectful. And it was just really a very peaceful and beautiful experience, right? And things actually went pretty well for, I'd say, the first two, two and a half months. I also did something which is quite controversial, which a lot of people are, like, kind of they kind of cock their eyebrows when I tell them, but I did um, placenta encapsulization. I don't know if you obviously know what that is. It was amazing. I mean, it literally felt like I was on a high for two months, man. Like it was wonderful. I was sleeping great. My son was breastfeeding well. I was feeling energetic. Like I was just 
eating good, you know. And let me tell you, when those pills ran out, it was the worst come down of my life. Like it literally, absolutely, that's when things started to go weird. And no one, you know, my whole theory when it comes to things like, you know, we'll get into it more, but when it comes to things like a mood altering you know, medication, even your own body, placenta capsules, right? That's, you know, anything that can affect your mood, you should never, ever be allowed to stop cold turkey. You need to be able to just cool me out. And no one shared that info with me. And I would suggest that to anyone who's thinking about placenta capsulization, Mm -hmm. wonderful, and I would highly recommend it, but make sure that you wean yourself down when those pills start running out Mm -hmm. because the moment that hit me was just terrible and so at about two and a half months things started to get a bit weird and I kind of uh was feeling quite down and just tearful all the time and I and I knew that this was there was like a big hormonal change going on as well but you know everyone in antenatal classes they they always tell you about you know the baby blues that kind of hit when your milk comes in and around day three, three to five or whatever it is right not at two and a half months later you know the discussion around postnatal depression in antenatal classes is that it's actually not that common that it's quite rare mm-hmm. and these are one or two of the things that you need to look out for kind of thing mm-hmm. no in antenatal class do they speak about things like anxiety mm-hmm. things like obsessive compulsive disorder things like panic disorder doesn't cover any of that only depression right so um, i was feeling a bit down i knew there wasn't a hormonal adjustment going on and i kind of would try and pick myself up i was very tearful and i just kept i just the more that the days were going on i wasn't able to shift shift it for myself and then eventually what started to happen was there was a bit of external pressure in the sense of we, I had to start working again to kind of float the ship financially and I, and I work from home I've, I've been a freelancer for many years and that pressure combined with yes I did manage to, to lock down one or two freelance writing jobs the pressure of all of that just became insurmountable and I, I basically landed up about three and a half four months postpartum experiencing a panic attack that lasted about three or four days it was just a severe um situ- I wasn't able to sleep I wasn't able to eat I was completely strung out and by I think it was the day four or day three in the morning it was a Friday I'll never forget it my husband took my hand and he said to me we need to go see someone like we just carry on you know and so began my journey into being diagnosed with a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder and you know one of the things that was difficult for me is that you know in my kind of I'm, I'm always more inclined towards more kind of holistic or functional practices towards health and um, whether it's homeopathy herbalism that sort of thing as opposed to going directly to the medical route or whatever um, and that was actually a huge problem for me at that time because I, I I kind of suspected where things were going and I was very kind of defiant you know, I don't want to go into medication I don't want to do it you know and then eventually it just it all came crashing down and I had to you know so um, I went to go see a psychiatrist that next week and she basically said to me you know my love it's classic postpartum anxiety and depression and and we're going to sort you out and it's going to be cool, you know. And, yeah. and she said, and I obviously I was breastfeeding at the time as well. And I was quite concerned about, you know, if, if it's going to get into the breast milk and how that's going to have long, long-term effects on my son, et cetera, et cetera. And she said to me, my love, you've got to think about this. You've got to think about, the, firstly, the medication that she put me on was um, one called Sertraline, which is a generic of a very popular one called Zoloft. Yeah. And it's got the least amount of traceable anything in it in that comes on in 
embrace milk. It's like 0.001% or mm. whatever, right? And she said to me, you know, you've got to do the maths and, and think here, yeah, is this very, very minimal amount that, that could potentially even get into the breast milk, because everyone was breast filtered differently somehow, um, is it worth not going on the meds and then being a completely stressed out, unavailable mother that will affect your son deeper emotionally than, than just having the medication, you know? Right. So when she said it like that, it was a no-brainer, you know? So I went into the meds. It was quite a long and torturous journey because, you know, everyone said to me, you know, in about two or three weeks or four weeks, you'll be feeling yourself again. Mm. And for some people, yes, that does work. But for me, it took much longer. It took about four months for me to kind of start feeling relatively normal again, right? Um, I had to change my dosages, et cetera, et cetera. And through this whole journey, I, the thing that frustrated me so much about it all was that when I did open up about it and when I did express what I was going through and that I'd been diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety, I mean, especially with older women, you know, like my mom and my mom's friends, you know, people that I knew, whatever, they'd say, oh, you know, my love, it is so common. It is so normal. I went through that. Just going to the meds and you'll be fine, you know. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking normal, common. Like this is not what anyone told me about while I was pregnant, you know, that it's very normal and in South Africa unfortunately one in three women experience perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and it's a lot higher than anywhere else in kind of first world third world countries you know that have that mix right so like it's an incredibly high rate in South Africa like that's basically 30% of mothers go through this on some level you know no matter where you are from no matter where you live no matter what your cultural circumstances are your social circumstances this is it you know and it just got me thinking like it just it feels so lonely and so isolating as it is and for people to not be open and honest about this makes it even worse you know so I mean the new normal kind of that's where the roots of it came from was that you know I was just so fed up and so frustrated by the fact that people weren't talking about this and the only time they would speak about it is if I was brave enough to speak about it and then it would come hurtling at me you know oh it's so common it's so so normal it's so like yes. and it just really upset me so and the new normal only really took root about a year after that so when my son to that's when I started to consolidate all of the stuff and this whole journey that I've been on it well, I call it the rabbit hole because it was like literally falling down a rabbit hole and having to figure so much of the stuff out you know and like and the research and the it was just and I thought I've got to find a place or I've got to find a way to kind of share this experience but also to inform people you know like because that's the, the thing I feel like there's such a people kind of they praise pregnant women you know especially first time pregnant moms they kind of put them on this thing and like it's the most amazing like you know like pampered. as soon as that baby comes that's it you know and like it's all about the baby and mother disappears into the background right and my whole thing is and part of that kind of narrative is that we don't want to fear monger her you know we don't want to scare her we don't want to like you know and, and that's absolute rubbish like women need to be informed they need to be empowered to know what is coming and that was the i mean aside from pro providing support for moms it currently in the trenches a big thing and a big aim is to reach out to pregnant moms and first-time moms especially to let them know and like guys we got you this is the biggest change in your life you know and like to think that you're going to be the all intuitive all natural home like you know like earth mother kind of like loving every minute you, you know if it's not it's not the reality you know and this uh, is why i know that i know that you do follow them not safe for moms group on instagram i love them yeah, yeah. so so she had an article 
article um, that she posted, I think yesterday, around the neurological changes that happen in a woman's brain when she mm. falls pregnant and mm. goes to birth. Um, mm-hmm. And it was fascinating for me. And she, the article is incredibly well written. Definitely go and look it up if you don't know listeners around what that looks like. But it's on the, I think on a highlight reel. She goes into this great detail. Mm. Um, I think it's in the Boston, the Boston Globe. She goes into this great detail around the fact that you, your brain fundamentally changes through, through pregnancy and through birth. And it's exactly what you're saying is that people have, firstly, we, we marginalize um, the, the health around women. So we, we, there's not enough research that's going into various things. We talk about genitalia, but we don't speak about the links between the brain and the guts or the brain and the, and the genitals or the uterus or whatever the case is. But I think what was fascinating for me is that there was some research that was conducted. Some, I forget the doctor's name, knew in the 1960s that women's brains were changing significantly um, during pregnancy and birth. And then he then says to, so he she meets this guy, the writer, sorry, I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but she meets the, the researcher or the doctor and he's not in his 90s. And she says to him, why are we not talking about these things? Why are we not speaking about the neurological changes to make sense of what happens to a woman when she falls pregnant and gives birth and in the first few years of this child's life? And he said exactly the same thing. He said, we don't want to scare women. And it's this really interesting patriarchal mm. idea around what women are capable of like understanding <clears throat> or how we process or, you know, and I just, I cannot say enough that I'm really grateful that we're living in a generation um, or in a time when these conversations are becoming becoming more common. They're not mm-hmm. common, but they are becoming more common. You can see <coughs> out these spaces, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that I think this thing that, well, that you're both kind of speaking to now about the kind of neurological changes and just like how much goes on for you from very, very early on in pregnancy really for the first what three years or so of their life and then forevermore afterwards but suddenly like in the trenches but different Mm -hmm. kind of trenches from birth all the way through to about three well this is what it seems like now for us because we've yeah I think also and this tallies on to like Kath was saying earlier our conversation with our previous guest um, Nokolinda who spoke about very strongly about the idea of community and the fact that this loss of community right so yeah there are all these neurological changes but also now there's a kind of you know it's almost like pointing it out makes it sound like there's something you know it makes it look like there are things now that women can't do right so that can also be angled in like an in a in a kind of strange and problematic way when actually this was kind of part of her argument what is needed is like you said earlier safety warmth and a lot of kind of early support but also and I think that this is very much like built on a kind of western capitalist model like you come you bring food for a week and then you bounce right and then what the fuck must happen after that? And I do think it's messy in this country because I also think that there's a lot to be said about families of color, uh, like black families across the board who are wanting to do many different things to produce the best possible lives for kids. And I mean, this isn't to say that white families aren't doing the same things, but I'm saying there's a kind of um, like that notion of like individual homesteads, like where you and your family nucleus figure it out. Like I think that's been like chipped away at in our society in general and now it's almost like like you're saying and like Kath is saying there's now we're slowly starting to kind of find a way back but it will never quite be that thing again you know like we're doing doing so many different things and so this is one of the biggest things that we're learning in this international training right is that the basic concept of the nuclear
your family has has fucked us really totally. <laughs> completely unsupportive of new motherhood because yeah. so so what's interesting about that is that in a way fathers and dads now really have to step up right as well mm. because without the village around because there isn't this is what where and and it's all put on the mother the mother is failing the yes. mother is in a state the mother is not doing okay right because mm. you know there is no village around kind of a thing but society our industrialized modern and contemporary societies does not know how to support motherhood you look at something as simple as maternity leave right in south africa what it's the policy is ridiculous it's it's three to four months in law three to four months maternity leave unpaid mm-hmm. with the promise mm-hmm. of your job back okay mm-hmm. i mean most 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 of the time babies are not planned right like who, who can afford to take four months off, especially dual income, most families I know. Absolutely, yeah. It's another example of how society does not support motherhood. And, you know, I mean, you guys know, I mean, Kathleen, you're in it now with your four-month-old. Mm-hmm. Imagine going back to work full-time at a nine-to-five, like now, with a, a baby who's you're only now just starting to get into some kind mm-hmm. of a semblance of a routine, understanding mm-hmm. their cues, and now you have to need them again, yeah. you know? So, mm-hmm. like, it's another... And that, that all why? Because we need money. We need to survive. We need to make it work in this messed up, crazy world, you know? Absolutely. So the thing is, is that like so much of what we're learning in this international training is, and I love this message because I really think it's so important, is that we're not going to change the system, guys. Like, yeah. we're not. Like, we're going to be living in this patriarchal shit show for a lot, like at least another two or three generations to come, yeah. right? But yeah. we can start making those chips, the way to do that is to work within the system and use it to our advantage in some Mm -hmm. level and to to figure out strategies and plans that be beat it in a way or that can support moms within it right Mm. so this is where things like you know a postpartum doula nowadays can really really benefit a new mom because like so what i've started to do now with my genevieve can i just interrupt you very quickly before you tell us can you just explain to us and to our listeners what is a doula and what is a postpartum doula and what is the difference yeah (laughs) birth doulas are the kind of the most kind of well-known i think in the Mm. i mean you get different kinds you can also get bereavement doulas which is very interesting as well yeah recently yeah yeah so doulas basically come in to support a pregnant woman around about the time that she's about to give birth and they basically support her emotionally physically and information she's like a doula is like the advocate for the pregnant woman and is she's not a midwife so she's not medically trained and she's not doesn't perform or not allowed to perform any medical checks or procedures or whatever she's literally there to hold space for the mom while she's giving birth and labor and all of the rest of it right i know here in cape town there's quite a big community of birth doulas actually like quite a healthy kind of community but postpartum doulas come in once the baby has been born and what they do is they basically then support the mom firstly but then of course the the whole family physically emotionally and informationally so that can be anything from like you know if there's an older child like helping the child you know look after the child while the mom rests with the new baby you know it can be cooking nutritious meals for the mom and the family as a whole it can be those are the more kind of practical things right Mm -hmm. then there's things like um actual kind of physical things like showing how to do a a baby bath for example you know Mm -hmm. and how 
care for the mums or near wound if there's been a tear or anything like that, if there's been a section to help her with scar, scar tissue remediation etc etc and and also to know when things are not quite right like if the mom right. is bleeding excessively to know when to make that call and be like right this is who you need to see um, and also very much be literally a walking black book you know like yeah, of sure and people refer on to because you're not allowed to give medical advice right okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a number of so-and-so go speak to them it also includes a postpartum doula should have very basic knowledge for of lactation like how to how to help mm-hmm. with latch and that kind of a thing um, and then of course there's the whole emotional thing which is something that for me is the most crucial piece That's is cool. to mm-hmm. the whole space and to just go and sit there have a cup of tea let's let's do some breathing exercises you know like just let's relax give me the baby i'm going to count you down you know whatever baby sleeping right let me give you a little quick massage tell me about what's been going on how things with hubby like what's mm-hmm. been happening you know even things like journaling here's mm-hmm. a journal let's start an exercise every single day mm-hmm. just write down what your, what your feelings have been what's been going through you know and yeah. so that's the big thing for me with this, this work and one of the things that i've linking it back to working within the system right like you know today's parents because of this whole nuclear family situation that we're in and like grandparents are living you know across the country or like across Mm. the world or whatever the case is we have to be freaking organized man like we've got to be great we put so much energy into birth plans as pregnant women right and like having this like dream birth plan and like in in a country with one of the highest cesarean section rates like it almost never goes according (laughs) to plan right so my message would be and this is like a fundamental thing don't put so much energy into a birth plan rather put that energy into a postpartum plan right who's going to be in your cocoon and your bubble with you once baby arrives you need to like select your people you know mm-hmm. hubby's going to be there maybe you have an amazing nanny that you can rely on that you can coach and teach and how to cook the nourishing foods etc etc something else we can get into you know your mom your mother-in-law maybe probably not but you know it's just put it out there whatever um, your best friend your cousin whatever you need to select a group of people who are going to be your go-to people right and literally come up with a day-to-day plan for those first that yeah. least first month you know who's going to fetch the older kid from school every single day what's going to happen in the morning hubby has to return to work after two weeks who's going to come and hang out with you while you're able to catch some rest or whatever while the oldest child is at school like these things need to be thought out and planned and that is how we have to do that's how we work the system today you know and looks completely different to what it was a hundred years ago how was your day today Carl? five what did you do um lucas and um Harry, actually mm-hmm. didn't come. Mm-hmm. on holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Are you also on holiday? Uh, yeah. Um, um, Lucas and Mary are Oh. Genevieve, how long do you suggest that one, I'm talking about the postpartum doula, because I think postpartum uh, support is family. It's really, it depends on your constellation. I think I hear you on a month, but I think that, for, you know, for some, maybe well, it's like two weeks. So she know. said, keep it in place for about a month at okay. least. Yeah. Okay. But what well, I'm asking. That's the strategy I'm saying. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm 
mean again, like for one or two of my, my new clients, like that will be basically what every single day of the week and every single day of the weekend, very basic structure of how that day runs. And that can go for three months, basically. Okay. And like this is the one thing that I think is so important to think about. And, and Carly and I, my co-collaborator on, on Oh Baby, What the Fuck, yeah. curriculum we speak about this in that you know those early days putting that pressure to like come up with the routine for the baby you know like sleep eat feed routine kind of thing it's not going to happen in those first three months you know you've r- rather got to develop this kind of cyclical thing of a ritual and rhythm situation right and within that you kind of have these very basic guidelines of you know all the kid needs to be at play group at 8 30 every single weekday morning and you figure out like what every you look at every single family member or everyone in the household what they how it all works it's like a puzzle and you just put it together you know mm. so i mean that can go on for as long as you like and obviously it's up to you to figure out what works best you know but in terms yeah. of having partum doula okay. as yes. support mm. right? you know my experience is that a postpartum doula should be basically on call for that first year postpartum like not coming to visit every week or whatever because it will cost you like you'd have to take another bond out on your house probably you know yeah. it take that for a whole year but you know my my feeling is if a woman has a postpartum doula like in my if I think about my personal experience right like the wheels came off and everything unraveled three and a half months postpartum right. during that time I had no support my husband luckily enough was able to take off a month because he is a director at a company he was able to take off that month but we didn't have any support in the form of a fairy god nanny my mom was able to step in here and there you know like we didn't have anything of that and when he went back i was basically running around with the newborn on my own like all the time you know like and, and having people visit was actually quite stressful because i was just there with the baby I had to make them tea i had no like so what i would say is that to avoid what happened to me for example because i'm using my experience is the most visceral if i would have had a postpartum doula and a support structure in place mm. i probably wouldn't have got that way you know probably wouldn't have can't say for sure but it might have been a lot easier for me that's all i'm yeah. saying you know yeah. but, you know if you have a postpartum to come in for two hours once a week for that first month you're ahead it's great you're just that sounding board just someone to be there who can pick up your dry cleaning on their way in for example you know who can you know like hang out with the toddler when you know if you need a break and if you need a rest you know that can cook the amazing beef stew that you need for nourishing yourself that you can freeze for the week kind of a thing you know so that's just that yeah so as you said in the beginning it's kind of Mm. not as common right so we all more familiar with the birth doula and i actually birth um, I did. Yeah. yeah, and my, I'm actually kind of was kind of giggling to myself now, as you said, you should have your doula kind of on call for the first year because I, mm-hmm. yeah, like at various points in the year would just text Lana and be like, hey, yeah, you know, um, I actually totally hear that because I think that that person, in a way that I don't think you can imagine, especially when you're a first time pregnant person, <laughs> like mom, blah, 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 you just don't know that, that, that there'll be all this weird shit. And I hadn't stayed in Cape Town for a while. So, you know, even I felt like I was even more in need of that kind of just quick references, you know, like, where's this, where that, you know, and, and it was just so helpful. So I guess I'm asking, 
asking you now, I know it's not that common, but I mean, do you, how would one find a postpartum doula in Cape Town or even in Johannesburg if you know? And yeah. So they on the Wombs website, right? Mm-hmm. All of the, the people that were in my class for the, the local training are now certified, right? So there should be a, a list oh, up okay. there of postpartum doulas as well as birth doulas in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is that the other day on Insta, someone reached out to me, a mom in Joburg, wanting to know of any postpartum doulas in Joburg. Mm-hmm. I put it out there because I didn't know any. And I put it out there to the community. Not one person came back to me except for a reference of someone that could know of someone. Basically. Wow. I then reached out to a, they're, they're fantastic. Called, I think they're called Ollie and Me. They're a center okay. there in, in Melrose. They do a lot of mom baby yoga. They do a lot of um, antenatal classes and, and that. And I actually reached out to them. I'm like, guys, do you know of any postpartum doulas in Joburg? And they were like, no. No, no, any, you know. So I would suggest checking out the Wombs website. They should have a list because they oper- they're an international organization, yeah. right? So they've got presence everywhere and then they'll definitely have a Joburg page. But to be honest, I don't know of any, hey, mm. which is devastating. And like, I mean, one of the things that you mentioned Kathleen in your mail about the things that you wanted to speak about like what you know what have been some of the requests or some of the like moms have reached out to to you about let me tell you overwhelmingly moms in Joburg please bring the new normal events and talks to Joburg and I was like oh my god Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what's what's happening there, but it's definitely needed. That's for sure. Well, Joburg's an interesting city. Like I'm, mm. I'm a Joburg native, so I know no difference. Right? I'm from here. It's my oh, hometown. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So- but I, I've never lived anywhere else for an extended period of time except for the UK yeah. for a bit. And it's interesting because Dee's not, Dee's from Cape Town and Dee and I, <laughs> or rather Dee will say things about Johannesburg that gives me kind of some insight or perspective into quite an unusual city, right? I'm very interested in structurally how we relate to space and how space informs our day-to-day lives. But I think even from that perspective, it's, it's not surprising to me that we're kind of craving a community because we don't mm. actually have places or points, spatial points that we can go and meet a community outside of our church, our work, mm. our homes. Mm. So I think, you know, like, mm. like it's a surprise. It's such a contradiction to me because Joe Burgers are like the most friendliest, most right. sociable yeah. people. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. It's just, it softens my mind that there's not this kind of support. And like, you know, a, a while back as well, I put it out there on Insta stories, you know, like any moms groups or like walking groups or thingy groups out there. And there were a few in, in Joe Burg, all in the northern suburbs though like Birdhaven College yeah. around there that meet for regular walks and, and it's just whereas here in Cape Town man like it's like you can you don't you, it's not as organized like there's not yes there's there's quite a few moms groups but like people are so cuck at committing and like actually meeting people you know like face to face it just does my head in as well you know but okay anyway. speak a little bit about what the fuck um baby oh oh baby yeah. what the fuck sorry the the curriculum okay. you and Carly have come up with <laughs> 
was about November, October, November last year, an amazing woman by the name of Carly Abramovitz, who's a psychologist, um, reached out to me. And she, at the time, she was, I think, four months postpartum. And she said to me, like, wouldn't it be amazing if we or you and I could come up with a curriculum aimed at first-time pregnant moms to prepare them for this, like, monumental shit show that happens when their first baby arrives, you know, like, and what they go through. And I was like, oh, my God, finally, someone who gets it, you know, like, absolutely. And that it needs to actually be included into an antenatal program, right? Because at antenatal, the antenatal classes that we, that me and my husband went to, it was literally, as I said to you guys, I mean, we covered the topic of postpartum depression for like a two minute conversation that it's actually, you know, it's actually not that common and it, it's only about depression. And these are one or two, three of the symptoms to look out for. And that was kind of it. And this knowledge of what, like, for example, the transition to matrescence, right? So that, that notion and that word matrescence, which is kind of being revived by this amazing psychiatrist based in New York. I don't know if you guys follow her already, but she's amazing. Her name is Alexandra Sachs. Mm-hmm. And she's done this amazing tech talk on this notion of matrescence right that it is the transition from maiden to mother and into motherhood and the word that it sounds the most like is adolescence right our culture and our society has such a kind of narrative and discourse around like what adolescence means but nothing around the same for what matrescence means and it's a real thing because both of these um, terms are times in a human's life where they go through immense hormonal shifts and changes right but we we really cushion adolescence and we really have this kind of like, oh, please excuse my son. He's just going through adolescence right now, you know. And we get it. We all understand what that means, you know. We don't have the same for matrescence and we don't have the same understanding for what it is to transition into motherhood, right? If we did, Alexandra Sachs believes that rates of postpartum depression and perinatal mood and anxiety disorders would severely decrease, right? This is the kind of, so we speak a lot about this concept of matrescence in this talk and, and helping moms understand and their partners. So we, we really encourage the, de- the partners to be there with the moms. It's not just for moms, it's for dads. Because as we've spoken about before, this nuclear family setup, dads have become the first line of support now. You know, So they've got to understand what a mom is going through in this transition and how best to support her. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he is her first line of call, you know, in this, these situations of, you know, modern families that we live in, right? So um, we speak a lot about that. The curriculum is divided up into four what we call spheres, um, which really unpack the impact of what motherhood is on these spheres. So the first is me as mother, and we speak a lot about identity and the loss of identity and what this means for you as a new mother now we speak about you know the relationship dynamics and how things change with your partner we speak about the broader community and how things change with your friends society like your social group you know and how you've changed in relation to them and then a big one which is a huge one is what happens when you return to work and what happens to that like i mean i know for me i could i couldn't go back to doing what i was doing before like it just actually made me nauseous you know like and a lot of women experience that a very good friend of mine is is a creative director at a, at a big uh, retail corporate and she says one of the hardest hardest parts of her job is accommodating when her her crew return back from maternity leave because they, they aren't able to work those full hours anymore. They aren't able to, to live up to what's expected of them. They have to often change their hours. A lot of them resign. A lot of them have changed roles completely. You know? And she says it's a lot of things. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So those are the, 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 the four different spheres that we cover. But then what... Just before you go on, what do you attribute that to when people... Because I've heard this is common in all organizations that I have basically had some level of a conversation around maternity leave, their fear around like women who come back, you know, and hiring reproductive women. Because as you say, you go through this change... And then, as you said, I couldn't stomach coming, going back to doing what I was doing before. What do you well, think? I think what happens is that, you know, before, especially for older moms, you know, older moms, like moms who are kind of more or have been doing what they've been doing for years or whatever. Like my feeling is that, you know, work becomes this like medal, you know, like we work so hard, we like move up the corporate ladder and it becomes such a defining part of who we are, you know. Mm-hmm. Then you have a baby, Right. And then it's like, well, who am I now? Because like, yes, a part of me wants to carry on doing what I was doing and, and doing the work that I was doing, but th- something changes. For, I mean, I know it, it happened to me. Like it, it became meaningless, you know? It's almost like I wanted, I felt like something, I needed to do something more meaningful in a way, you know? And like, that was a big thing for me that shifted. Um, I think also we speak about, we spoke about the brain changes that happen for a woman, right? So like in that, I think I've, I've got, I've linked that article that you spoke about in the Boston Globe. It's on my highlights reel as well. And what they speak about is that the reason why a woman's brains changes is that what are the things that kind of basically control everything in a woman's body are hormones, right? It's because of the fluctuating hormones level that your brain chemistry starts to change and new pathways are formed etc etc so you know that whole concept of the mom brain right Mm -hmm. like how it's you know it's you know like women just become an absolute mess they can't remember anything Mm -hmm. once they've had the baby like your short-term memory's gone like you're kind of like and it's absolutely not true you are basically hyper vigilant become hyper vigilant on looking after your child mm-hmm. yourself and your family and you, you your brain is in doing an incredible job of editing out the unnecessary fluff right which is why you forget like certain things or whatever so you know I th- like if we could change that whole thing of like that mom brain is actually amazing. It's, it's, it's showing like your, your, your kind of biology is actually on point, you know, and it's doing what it's meant to be doing. So looking after, looking after your baby and you kind of a thing. But I think women, when they return to work, they feel that pressure that they're not keeping up and they're not coping because they can't remember stuff. They, you know, they kind of, they feel foggy. They don't, they're not able to concentrate. Think about it. You go back to work after four months after having a baby, like how can you be expected to focus completely on what you're doing and sitting at your desk when you've got a four-month-old baby at home, you know, like your breasts are leaking because they're crying, you know, like it just doesn't. And this is why I think a lot of women come up against so much stuff when they have to return to work and a lot of anxiety. And in fact, a lot of these mood disorders start to emerge during the time where mom returns to work or just before, you know? So, and also let's not, let's be frank, you know, the sleep deprivation and the waking up multiple times at night with a new baby and you're meant to expect it to perform like your A game at work. I mean, there's another article, which is a fantastic read. It was in um, the New York Times parenting page about, um, it was fascinating, but they did this study about how motherhood today, university educated mothers are the ones that are dropping out of the workforce mm-hmm. to look after a baby because the pressure of maintaining a job and looking after a family is too much. Mm-hmm. So they'd rather step back from the job and look after 
and be a mother, you know, and many of them are really upset by that, but it's the only way they can, they, you can't do it all, you know. Yeah, anyway, I mean, I think that even looking at the gender pay gap, one of the huge factors of the gender pay gap is, what do they call it, the motherhood penalty. Um, mm. Basically, women who are, are actually more educated often than their counterpart, their male counterparts, yes, yeah. and then go off into the workforce, climb the corporate ladder up to a specific level, which yeah. is normally middle management, decide yeah. then to have a child, and then come back and, and are... Mm balancing a whole range of dynamics, i.e. home, child, mm. marriage, friends, social, and work, mm. and mm. then make specific decisions around their time and how they prioritize their time and take a step back. And as a result, their less educated mm. male counterparts end Pass up them, yeah, passing them and, and, yeah. and earn more money than them. So. Yeah. yeah, that's not, you know, not surprising, yeah. Actually, I mean, and this is the thing that, like, you know, I, I really struggle with this, but it's absolutely true. I mean, I think the feminist project of the 70s and 60s, like, you know, it was so necessary. Like, we really needed it to show that moms can be, women can be more than mothers. But now, if we look at it now, it's actually fucked us because this messaging of like, you know, you can be the CEO, you can be the amazing mother, you can be everything to everyone. Like, we can't. Something's going to give. Usually our health, our mental health, our physical health, you know, and it's just, we like, it's just really, you know, that, that work mom life balance, man. I think it's the, one of the biggest burdens that moms carry, especially if they, they need to work, which most moms I know do, you know. So, yeah, yeah I also think it's so interesting that the moms who are doing all those things there's no recognition for it so even if you were to get recognized it would come across as deeply patronizing there's so much pressure that actually you don't nobody wants to go into a meeting and say yeah I'm actually I'm not like completely here or you know so there's a lot of pressure to like perform of course as you've both said and, and there's a lot that gets lost right yeah just in the cracks really and I, I don't know it's so tricky because as you're saying a lot of those moms get they plateau at kind of middle management and I think that that's in various institutions and then they kind of hang out there until their kids are like 10, 11, 12 and then they're like surge ahead but then they're also getting older so they don't actually have the kind of mental capacity that they've now kind of got back but also don't have back you know so it's like it's a really weird thing and so I think to progress becomes such a messy messy thing for a woman and I you actually said this Kath about younger women who you found they were just saying you know they're not so keen on settling they're not keen on kids they're not keen on and I remember our conversation was around you know is it just that they're kind of in their mid to late 20s and so haven't started feeling the things that seem to come about around, you know, if you haven't yet settled in your late 20s, early 30s, you know, the stuff that starts happening in your mid 30s to late 30s around do a, a very real question for women around, do I want to have a child? Mm. Do I want to have more than one child? Because that comes with its own dramas, right? And also the possibility for saying one thing in the beginning. So you have the one and then, you know, kind of vacillating between these possibilities. Do I have the other? Do I not? Do I not? You know, which large forward is a career. Yeah. Yeah. What's he saying? He said there was a little boy living on a rock. Sleeping there for ages. The boy was living on a rock? Yeah, for ages. In a lighthouse. In a lighthouse? Yeah. This sounds like a dope story. <coughs> I'm so tired, Akami. Mommy was waking up every 
hour and a half to two hours with Amo. Well, what, what we have to do it with your hands. Oh, I've got a hug with your hands with my hands. And, and the other one. I can't do both hands. Why? I just can't. Mama, can I play? Can I watch on my phone? Can you watch on my phone? Okay. I have just recently, like in the last two months, two, three months, actually for a, a Part of most of this year because for remember the earlier part of this year I was like doing this thing where I was up really early and trying to like meditate and then I'd do my emails before I went to varsity because then I'd get straight into a day of teaching so in order to and I did that for a little while and now I like so my energy is is like it's back up and now I'm I let that go for a while and now I'm back in a space where I'm still trying to do the early mornings just to get some work done before Tao wakes up so you your day becomes a much longer day, way more demanding than it would ever be for a man. Way more. Because from when I open my eyes, I am on. Like, I'm like this, like a bunny. <laughs> okay, I'm here. And then I go, 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 go. Forward until like fucking half past eight. And I crash. I do not, I don't stop. I don't do it. But I, I mean, finished. Yeah. And like, and I can just imagine like what, just that must do to your your mental health, your ability to stay on like, for years and years. For and years, years, and years. And years and <laughs> good lord! I mean, yeah. I mean, another thing that we which we haven't really spoken about, which is something yeah. that is like I'm really passionate about as well, is there's an amazing book that was written by a functional health doctor in Australia called the Postnatal Depletion Cure. Right, the Postnatal Depletion Cure. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this guy, his name is Dr. Oscar Serilach, and he's dedicated his life to understanding like why women go through such turmoil postpartum really and for years to come mm. and his theory is that especially nowadays women exactly like you're saying like girls women today in the call them girls because it feels like i think of myself as a 25 year old i think of myself as a girl i mean, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> women today when they're 25 like as you said you know like they're not thinking about that like child rearing and setting down is is happening starting to happen later and later right mm-hmm. so what happens is that what this guy describes which is absolutely spot on is that you know women today they are having babies later they're having babies let's say you know like 33 up let's just say right? yeah, on yeah. average especially women in more kind of industrialized societies or, mm-hmm. or and very much work and career is a priority and they're often running on high levels of adrenaline and stress mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. Then they wonder why they're struggling to fall pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. So they go for IVF or they do the thing or whatever. And even if they do fall pregnant, they now have to grow a whole human, okay? Research now is only showing like how unbelievably taxing and draining that is on the human body to grow another human mm-hmm. being, right? Especially when you think about the quality of our commercial food that we're getting, like our systems and our bodies are getting more and more depleted. Mm -hmm. Then you have to go through labor, right? Give birth, in most cases in South Africa, undergo unbelievably hectic surgery, right? To get your baby out, which is the the body interprets that as trauma, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, not only have you undergone like hectic surgery that your body is perceiving as trauma, but now you have to look after a little baby 
24-7, okay? That goes on for how long? Then women wonder why they are hitting depression, adrenal fatigue, not able to cope, mm-hmm. have unbelievable health problems that emerge, immune system disorders like Hashimoto's, thyroid disease, which are all as a result yeah. postpartum. And it's because our systems are completely finished and depleted. It's it's, it's basically, it's a a hurricane, you know. We're having children much later. We already are, as I've said, you know, just to recap, you know, our bodies are under immense, immense stress. Adrenals are working full time. Cortisol levels are through the roof. We then grow a baby. We then have a baby. We then have to nourish a baby from our body, you know, for however long. And that leads to another, another thing that all of these stages of a woman's seasons are linked right so you know like the postpartum has implications for how you're going to deal with menopause 100%. you know like absolutely and it's, we don't see it that way we no. look at the, we look at our lives in such fragmented ways right yes, yes. we're so disassociated from mm. our environments mm. from each other but certainly also from ourselves mm. so we don't see that everything is 110 percent, as you say linked and embedded and enmeshed and what happens today and then, is going to have serious repercussions in 30 years totally and i mean and, and linking back to what you were saying be about like this like hectic being on the trade now your kid is three and a half five years old or whatever the case is and you like you got to keep going and like you got to and it's just and it's just not doable so what this guy recommends which is amazing actually and and i really believe this is also a fundamental piece in this whole postpartum period is that women actually within that first year to go and have blood tests done to see what vitamins you are lacking and are severely deficient in. such a Good, yeah. B12, you know, like things, magnesium. Like most yes, of us. Yes. Magnesium is a big one, yeah. Mm, Especially yeah. for and, later on, yeah. Mm. And then things like um, what your hormone levels are doing. You know, you yes. Test mm. yes. what's going on and address those things, you know. Mm. And then, and this is part of how we've got to work the system, you know, mm. and kind of, you know, we've got to empower ourselves. This is it. We've got to empower ourselves with knowledge and information on how to take care of ourselves because our society is not. Yeah. Before we close off, and I don't know if you have anything Mm. further to add, I mean, around a question, but I wanted to maybe just speak in brief. It kind of links to what you've just said, Jen, around what are some of you spoke about rituals and rhythms, right? But Mm. also in a way, like I quite like this practical, these practical examples that you're giving around go and do blood tests, figure out what's happening with your hormones. What would you say to a woman who either first time or second time, because for me, I didn't even think about postpartum support for my first and then in my second I was a lot more cognizant of because this is the second rodeo what first all kind of new roles better which was great because then we could articulate we could say we could name okay this is your role in the family constellation or whatever the case is this is what was lacking the first time because we're speaking in relative terms to my first experience Um, and I had a bit more of a of a sense of what I wanted in terms of support into the second one right Mm -hmm. but what would you say to both first second third even who uh, are, are, are experiencing this and want to kind of do it better feel more supportive feel more yeah i made some notes which i think (laughs) are good right so like i think let me just see what i've written here yeah we've spoken about like coming up with a postpartum plan right Mm -hmm. so i mean obviously a a doula can help you with that but you know especially if you're a second time or third time mom which are usually the moms that would think about a postpartum doula because they know how shit gets real you know like and they, they really need that help right so you know to come up with 
like a daily plan. So things, for example, a meal train. You get these meal train apps now where you can literally create a meal train Mm -hmm. and you send out this meal train with the dates that you want people to send meals on to your database or whoever you want on that list. And basically people fill it in and they say they will be delivering this meal on this day for you. And I mean, I've just done it now for two of my clients and it's like incredible how people really do want to help as well. You, this is another thing. People, women are so shit at asking for help, right? And like people would actually step up to that. And, and the postpartum period is a fantastic time with learning to create boundaries and to stand up for yourself as well, right? So like there's a fantastic meme that Kylie and I use in our talk, which is, um, it goes, when can we come visit the baby? 4 a.m. would be amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's really learning to ask for help and to put your boundaries up, man. And yeah. like, and know that visiting hours, for example, create a WhatsApp group with all the people mm. that you know would want to come visit and say, guys, these are the times that suit us. If you can't make it, sorry, but this is how it has to be kind of a thing. And if you are going to come, we need this, 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 this. Toilet paper, tea bags. You know, like mm-hmm. every single day, just update it. Say, hey guys, like, you know, today's visiting out for an appointment at this time, but whatever, you know, going to lactation, but please come this and this and time. If you can't make mm-hmm. it, maybe another day. If you are going to come, this is what you need to bring. Please. Yeah. I promise you now, people are asking for they want to help you've got to just name it and this is how we forget so that's another that's another thing i think also that selecting your inner circle you know like Mm. the people that you are going to call on is fundamentally important to this you Mm. know and basically obviously i think the fewer the better to be honest but Mm. like you know those five people or whatever who can literally be your team it's Mm. all about it's creating a team and the whole point of all of this is to, it's all about the mother. It's mothering the mother so she can best look after the new baby, right? And really taking the pressure off, letting her rest, letting her recoup, cooking her amazing, delicious food, getting the food delivered. If you can't cook or if you don't have time to cook, use one of those. I mean, there's some amazing food delivery services oh. out there that are amazing stuff, you know? Like, in fact, that's another, like, fundamental thing that's lacking in this whole sphere. I mean, in the UK, they've got them. I saw one the other day, the Doula Kitchen, companies that specialize in preparing nourishing foods for new moms, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. that's amazing. And then also maybe stimulate milk production because there's a whole, like, theory yeah. of nutrition around what stimulates production and what doesn't yeah. so now how's this for interesting part of these remember in the beginning i spoke about these rituals and these things that are common in so many yeah. traditional cultures around the world one of the things that is fundamental to all of them which is quite a, a thing is animal products animal organs animal meats animal cuts bones bone broths those promise you now in all of them that's one of the fundamental ingredients are animal products because they're so nourishing for iron the collagen in the 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 broths from the bones to to women's uh, recovering postpartum all of them which is amazing you know and we don't know about the nation and did and this is where i mean i'm busy studying this at the moment so i know i mean like i've got a whole file full of recipes that i can do which are delicious and nourishing well i think that this is a kind of a conversation that can go on forever around postpartum support and really like just thinking through yeah. what that looks like for each person as you say so i i wouldn't be surprised if we definitely and we say this in every, every episode time. <laughs> that we can talk ad nauseum and we'll circle back to specific themes but i think this has been so incredibly valuable and so yeah. interesting thanks jane
I get so like self-conscious talk. I feel yeah. yeah when I speak about it, I look back and I think, gosh, what did I even say? No, no. <laughs> I think what's incredible is that you're you're very passionate about it, which yeah. I think I totally vibe off of. And also just mm. to say, and I wanted to, I wanted to talk about the new normal platform in a bit more detail, but I don't think we have time. But just to say to our listeners that go and check out the new normal. Firstly, it is so visually appealing. It is so beautiful. Yes, like so beautiful. the yeah, artwork, yeah. the quotes, it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. And you put such thought and care into it. And I love the fact that it's grown organically. Um yeah. so definitely, definitely mm-hmm. go and take a look if you're looking for conversations that you didn't even actually know that you were looking for Mm -hmm. so from me at the very least I'll say thank you so much Jen we really have hey I'm Kathleen and I'm Dee and you're listening to Mamas with Attitude otherwise known as MWA the same way I immersed myself in my career you've now immersed yourself in motherhood I've now immersed myself in motherhood mommy the bounce mommy the bounce mommy the bounce weird yeah you know motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms mama 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 no actually seriously on a serious note it's it's been really dope thank you okay bye mama 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 Next up on Mamas with Attitude is episode 8. We speak with birth doula Lana Peterson, who's based in Cape Town, and we take a few steps back from the postpartum experience and go right back to the moment of birth.